Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. I'm Donna Fiducia. And I'm Don Newen. And this is Cowboy Logic Radio. Welcome to Cowboy Logic Radio, everyone. I'm Donna Fiducia, along with Don Newen. Hope you guys have been safe. Hope you guys have washed your hands and you're nice and clean. Have you cleaned out everything in your house lately eight million times? And I hope you guys realize that it's just absolutely fine for social gatherings of more than two and a half people. Exactly. In fact, it's okay to look like Times Square at time during it's Times Square. It's absolutely <laughs> acceptable to have mass gatherings in the thousands, ladies and gentlemen. And that means, Donna, that my industry, yes, I'm going to be selfish. My industry could go back to work. Rock on. Rock on, baby. Rock on. And, and I'm ready to rock on with a brother that's a damn good friend of ours, Donna. Absolutely, and we haven't had him on for a while, and it's long overdue. Normally, we do headlines, and in the last month or so, we've started with this COVID-19 BS. Well, all of a sudden, COVID-19 doesn't matter anymore. COVID-19 has been it's cured, gone. ladies and gentlemen, and eradicated. Because it's completely we've, gone. We've moved on to the next crisis. Who where is Fauci? <laughs> on, on a milk carton as a missing yeah, person, missing. I think, which is just fine by me, the little worm that he is. All right. I'm talking about our next guest is somebody who can really give us background information on the civil unrest that is now taking over our country. Because like I said, we've moved on to the next crisis. And that is one Edward Cage. Folks, if you follow him on Facebook, you know he is the bomb. He is just... The person that epitomizes, I think, what it's like to be an American. Edward, welcome back to Cowboy Logic Radio. Thank you, Don and Don. How are you guys doing today? We are great, brother, and we are so glad you're back with us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take about 30 seconds and tell you that if you are not following this man on Facebook or social media, you're making a big mistake. Mm -hmm. He's been a friend of ours for a lot of years. He's such an inspiration on all types of angles and fronts. Follow this man. Edward, give us a little bit about the background 
of of where you you know where you started and how you got to where you are right now because nobody can do this better than you my friend well folks i i i was born you know in st louis missouri i was born and raised in st louis missouri educated in the public school di- uh, uh system and i dropped out of high school in the ninth grade when i had my uh first son uh and um you know, I, I went to school and, 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 and supposedly had done everything right, but at the age of 20 when I realized that, okay, selling drugs and gangbanging and stealing cars and acting a fool wasn't the right way to go, I went out and got this thing called a job. Um, you know, once I was working, I realized the great truth that I, uh, I couldn't read or write. I was what they call functional illiterate. You know, and uh, I had three miles to feed at the time, myself and my wife, so that made five. Uh, so, you know, I found myself angry at the world, you know, just mad because nothing worked out. I eventually became a Muslim. Uh, I found out real quickly that, um, that wasn't the right way. And a lot of people, they asked me, you know, why did you end up leaving Islam? Well, you know, one, I contributed to my brother-in-law, uh, Mingo Paris. He never, never gave up on me, uh, trying to pull me to the Lord. Second of all, I realized that his life couldn't offer me a savior, and I needed to be saved. I wanted to be saved. Uh, after that, I just started to view things in, in not only America, but black America, uh, differently from what I've been told. You know, I, I can remember catching a bus out to these uh, good neighborhoods going out there to work, and I see all these white women and, 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 and walking their kids back and forth to school, but I didn't see the women carrying bats with sticks in it and things like that. And I was wondering, wow, I bet my wife would love something like that. She was my girlfriend at the time. I'm like, man, I bet she would love a neighborhood like this, and I want something like this. And when I used to go back and tell people I want to live in, like, Brentwood and Clayton and stuff like that, they don't want you out there. They're going to burn a cross and the police this and, and all of this. And I'm like, well, I do see black people out there. I mean, so is there like a committee to say that I can't live somewhere? You know, so I didn't understand a lot of those things. So I just started to read. And, you know, uh, uh, fortunately, politics stuck out in me. You know, I, I, I really liked the way uh, politicians were, you know, willing and dealing. And then I used to see the different uh, politicians in my community. I used to see the hustling, how they were hustling us and how they would talk down to us. You know, the one thing I can't agree with uh, Jesse Jackson is that Barack Obama do talk down to blacks. And it wasn't just uh, Barack Obama. It was other black politicians. They did talk down to us. You know, they made us an emotional, you know, charged up, and nothing ever got done in my community. If you go to North St. Louis now, we have glimmer of hope, but those glimmer of hope of economic growth is where the uh, medical uh, hospitals are at or the universities or the colleges. That's where the glimmer of hope at. The glimmer of hope is not where I was raised. That does absolutely no hope, no economic growth. Nothing is going on there. But the Democrats and the uh, allies, the black pastors, have continued to hustle and, and swindle the people from their money. The first time that I ever saw anything like this, I guess, was Reverend Wright with Jesse, uh, with Jesse Jackson, listen to me, with Barack Obama and saying, GD America. And I'm thinking to myself, are they serious? And then Obama actually gets up there and says, well, I really didn't pay attention to him for 20 or 30 years, even though the guy married him, supposedly. I don't 
see any pictures of it, but that's what I heard. And the thing is, yeah. how can you, you know, how can you not be uh, basically inspired to act on that kind of, uh, and I call it terrorism, quite frankly. And, and it is exactly what Saul Linsky talked about, destroying the country from within. You know, a lot of times when you think of people like Barack Obama, I think of other black politicians that uh, uh, I was raised around. And he has the same demeanor, the same speech pattern. And when you look at Barack Obama, you have to also look at the black pastors also because they work hand in hand in the black community. If you just go and you look and you see how they how they work with each other, how they you know, their dealings with each other. I call it black church pimping. During election season, you see all the black politicians and white politicians, you know, of course, all Democrats, they go into the black community and they hustle us and they make us seem like we're at it alone, like they're going to uh, the capital of Missouri and Jefferson City. So we say Jefferson City and Washington, D.C., they make it seem like they're going there and they're going to fight the good fight of faith. And when you look at our community, Nothing has happened. Absolutely. Well, that's what I wanted no, to ask you. What has the Great Society done for the black community in 60-plus years? Except now well, we're I seeing think, more riots again. Well, i tell you one thing, Donna, is that I'm 47 years old. And over, the, over my 40 years, I have seen that the Great Society has done nothing. I have seen my community continue to dwindle. I remember growing up, everything in my community was black-owned except the two major uh, grocery stores, uh, Kroger's and Nationals, the laundromat, uh, uh, all of the, uh, the liquor stores, the churches, the, 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 the car washes, the, you know, the guy that, uh, that does your shoe repair guy. The, you know, everything was absolutely black-owned. We even had a guy who had a wood shop. He would come in, and, 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 and he was one of the few guys in St. Louis that knew how to, you know, do the wood around your baseboard, things like that. I mean, absolutely everything. It was beautifully, everything was absolutely beautiful. People took pride in their community. The uh, business owners, they took pride in servicing us. Everything was absolutely beautiful. And like I said, I don't know what happened 60 years ago, but I can tell you over the last 47 years, all of those businesses are gone. The community I grew up in in North St. Louis, the 63107, has been absolutely decimated. And I like to hear how how the politicians like to make it seem like, oh, it's the Republicans. But you can't blame the Republicans for that because they haven't been in office in 40 years, 50 plus years. So you can't blame them. But once again, the politicians, along with the pastors, they like to go in and make it seem like, oh, Poor is us, the little black community. Poor is us. We can't do nothing without white mass of them. And that is what infuriated me uh, in my mid-20s when I used to say, oh, all of a sudden, we can't do nothing. Dr. Martin Luther King, he got a doctrine degree without uh, uh, affirmative action. So, yes, these things can be done. But all of a sudden, we can't do nothing without the Democrats holding our hand and giving us things. Have you noticed, Donna, that we are the... Blacks are the only race of people in America that got a social program for absolutely everything. Yeah. When you go into my community, there is a social program for everything. These are programs that mothers and fathers are supposed to come up with. That don't mean that you're going to have everything if you make the proper decision. 
see what it is is that people are making horrible decisions, and then when 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 they have to live through them, they automatically go to somebody that makes them feel like a victim, and the next thing you know, everybody's pointing fingers. Ladies and gentlemen, we are speaking with the great Edward Cage, and he's humble, and I know he's probably rolling his eyes when I say it that way. But we've <laughs> known Edward for a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a he is an American patriot that happens to have a skin tone that is darker than mine. That's our difference right there. Well, my grandfather once you get was past, Sicilian. Once you get past the skin tone, we're, we're exactly the same. Now, Edward, there's been something that's been in the, in the media lately, in the last couple of days, uh, that's, that's taking a foothold. And they're showing video footage of white girls bowing down to black people and some white guys. Basically this, white people bowing down, asking for forgiveness to black people. Now, I, I, I'm, I hear you back there. Now, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If it came down to it, I would take a bullet for my brother, Edward Cage, that we've got on this show with us. But I'll be damned if I am going to bow down to him. And I would never expect him to bow down to me. I will bow down and I will kneel for our Lord. And I bowed down on one knee or I knelt down on one knee to propose to Donna Fiducia. That is the end of it right there. Period. Full stop. Edward, elaborate on this bowing and kneeling crap in which white populations are begging black people for forgiveness when they had absolutely nothing to do with the horrific situations that happened over centuries. You know, uh, Don, the crazy thing about that is that the Bible tells us that we were made in God's image. When God made us, he made us all the way that we are. So when I see people do that, or they are ashamed of how God made them because you was made in God's image. Even, you know, so-called unattractive people that, you know, we deem unattractive, they are still made in God's image. I find that to be utterly ridiculous. And once again, I only find liberals that push stuff like that out so that once again, see, that causes a division. That tells people that, hey, this slavery happens. See, first of all, everyone in America knows slavery happened. And because people do not know their history, we don't have civics class no more, we don't know how, how black Americans came up out of slavery. We don't know about the thousands, hundreds of thousands of white people that went out and fought for people that they didn't even know. So when I see folks go out and they want to all of a sudden apologize for being white, that is the stupid, you know, something is so stupid ignorant to you can't even comment on that i don't expect no one i <laughs> i don't apologize for being black i don't expect nobody to apologize for being white and when i see this narrative pushed it's only pushed by liberal see once again everything they do is always to cause a division we are the greatest country on the face of the earth and every time i see democrats do something it's to cause a division first of all what weak man is going to bow down to another man? 
Well, that's exactly it. They're they're weak, Edward. That is the problem. And the lack of education is really, I think, the biggest problem. You yourself basically went through the public education system. Well, you dropped out at a very young age, but had to teach yourself to read at the age of 20. That, to me, is the biggest problem. Public anything is dumbed down anytime the government gets involved. Just like the Great Society, the quality of what they're getting involved with goes down. And now through the generations, I don't think people can even tell you who fought in the Civil War, let alone who the vice president it, well, they know who the president is because orange man bad and he tweets. But I doubt they could tell you who even the vice president is. They don't teach civics. They don't teach history. And if you don't teach history, you're bound to repeat it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And unfortunately, in the school system, it's not taught. And not only in, 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 in K through 12, but even when you go up through the college friends. Once I got my GED, I did take some basic classes and you know, me and the so-called social study teachers or civics teachers or just the English teachers, we all we did was class. We, uh, my wife got a college degree. She dropped out of high school also, and she would come home furiated because she clashed with her college professor because she was an adult. And she didn't have that saying, oh, poor little black girl me with three babies and no education. Poor. She didn't fall for that narrative. So she always came home frustrated because she keeps getting into it with these with these college professors and these liberal uh, uh, young kids that with this stupid ideology thinking that society owes them something. But when you get down to the core of it, it's all about transforming, as Barack Obama said, our society. If you don't teach the truth, then it leaves it open for people to come up with their own narrative. Exactly. Like that is said, it. That's folks key. Folks don't know who Mike Pence is. They, they, don't, they don't know. All they know is what they've been told. Exactly. And because they only listen to CNN and everything, they have been conditioned to anyone that thinks that America is great. They're racist, or they're coon, or sell out our house, nigga. That's exactly what they teach them. And if you stand up and say, I love them, I've been all over the world. I've been fortunate enough to travel outside of America. And people love us because of our greatness. They don't love us because of all this garbage that you see going on. Black Lives Matter. That's that. And see, once again, people don't realize that there is a bigger movement behind that. I seen. I know what it's like to be poor, broke down, feel like there's nothing, and I'm all for protest. That's how we got the civil rights. I'm all for protest. Beautiful. But when you have people throwing rocks. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. When you start having people knowing exactly what a pallet of bricks are at, hmm. that's not protest. That's violence. Do that you know here in New York, point. Edward, they actually had a Mercedes, not a Mercedes, a uh, uh, Rolls Royce, like a $300,000 Rolls Royce, pull up in front of a building in Manhattan, get out, loot, and jump back in the Rolls Royce. You're going to tell me those are uh, poor black kids from, you know, from Brooklyn? I doubt it. From Red Hook? I doubt it. Edward, let me um, uh, reintroduce you here. Edward and I and Don first talked, I think, when you were still living in Ferguson with the whole Michael Brown problem. And, And I'll be honest with you, Edward, this whole thing now with Mr. Floyd is just this is a this is something that is 
horrible. I don't know anybody who thinks it's a good thing. It's horrendous to see that video. But there have been a whole bunch of other slime balls, quite frankly, who we've riot- they have rioted over that I don't think really deserve the time of day. There are bad cops. There's very few bad cops. I looked it up. There's 850,000 cops. That includes sheriffs and, and uh, patrol cops uh, approximately in the entire United States. And I know that Tucker Carlson did a whole diatribe on this last week. Out of all of these black-on-white shootings that were uh, a men, black men and one woman, I believe, in one case, who was unarmed, there were 10 of them in the entire country last year. And the number of them were tried, and, and they should be tried, and they should be have the book thrown at them. But the problem is, when you're calling all these cops bad, and then you're going around having some of these people who are doing peaceful protesting going, hey, you know, I'm just trying to protest. Well, that's like saying all the protesters are bad, too. They're, they're hurting uh-huh. their own narrative. Is I guess what I want to say yeah. in some respects. Exactly, and you know, when you look at what's with Mr. Floyd, is that I haven't found one person that disagrees with what's going on. Everyone feels like this officer needs to be, you know, tried, convicted, the book thrown at him, keep. I mean, all of that thrown under the jail. I think what 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 Black America is going through right now is that. Once again, this is an election season, and since day one, everything that Donald Trump has done, they just throw racism at him. He wasn't racist 10, 15 years ago when every black and, 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 and homosexual tried to get on his show. He wasn't racist then, but now all of a sudden, they know that they don't have nothing else. So now all of a sudden, they want to use Floyd's death as a way to further their agenda. Their agenda is not to see uh, uh, peace and police reform and all those good other things, because if, it, if black lives and all of this really matters about uh, a black dying, dying, last year you said it was how many, 10 that was hit unarmed by police officers? You know how many black people are killed by other black people every year, and some of them are hunted and killed? 6,000. Yeah. So that's not the problem. The problem is anytime Democrats and liberals try to push something over on the black community, they don't use facts. They use emotions. Exactly. Use emotions Edward, we only have one minute like left. This. We only have one minute left. I want you as as a an inspiration really to us to talk to other young black kids right now for a minute and tell them how it's okay to get off the government plantation because I'm sure you were ridiculed for that big time in your life. Yes. When you look at what's going on, young black America, I want you to know, think about one thing. Once Mr. Floyd is gone, once the cameras are gone, Jesse Jackson, once all the little white kids that are so-called marching up and down the street, is your America going to change? Or are you going to be able to go out and get jobs? Name one law on the books that's going to stop you from becoming president of the United States. Nothing. The only people that that, that you should be concerned about is yourself your family, once we start to take care of our women and our children and be there for them, there's no way in the world that 80% of all black kids in America is born out of wedlock. And and justice is not going to come from legislation. It's going to come from us. So I tell you, don't think that just because, oh, we're going after Donald Trump, things are going to change because it hasn't changed in 60-some years in the black community. That's your job. That's your community.
and turn up your community, it's not going to do anything. One thing that it will do, it will cause you to go outside of your community and spend money with the so-called white people that you hate. That doesn't make any sense. Economic growth should not come from the government. Economic growth comes from you, your mind. Stop thinking that the Democrats love you because they don't. Everything that is going on in our community across the United States has been caused by Democrats. You cannot blame Republicans because they haven't been in power for over 30, 50 years, between 40 and 50 years in some major black cities. Exactly. You can't say that. Unfortunately, Edward, we are already out of time. Folks, find him on Facebook and follow him. He has the best stuff. Edward Cage. Just as it sounds. Find him on Facebook. Edward, thank you so much for joining us here. Stay safe and keep up the hard work. We love you for it. And coming up next on Cowboy Logic Radio, we'll be talking to Dinesh D'Souza. Stay tuned. You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. And if you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. Fast Track student loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as 25 dollars a month based on what you can afford to pay 800-709-4395-800-709-4395-800-709-4395-800-709-4395 are you nearly maxed out in your credit cards it doesn't matter if you're using your credit cards for fun or to survive at the end of the month your statements come in and you can either pay them or you can't if you can't late fees and interest rates get tacked on and now you're struggling just to make the minimum payment due do you feel trapped am i talking to you good because i personally researched some companies that can help you they may be able to reduce your credit card balances by 50 percent and stop the late fees if you qualify please call our special debt hotline number right now for a complimentary free five-minute consultation deal with your credit card problem now before it gets much worse and put more money back in your pocket trust me i've been there too call right now 800-380-4293. 800-380-4293. 800-380-4293. 800-380-4293. That's 800-380-4293. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them. And I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org. m25m.org. Here's important new information from the Diabetes Solution Center for you, a family member, or a loved one suffering with diabetes. If you have lost your provider or if you need a provider for diabetic supplies, you may qualify to receive your diabetic testing supplies now with little or no out-of-pocket cost, regardless of your age. All you need is Medicare or private insurance to be potentially eligible. Call the Diabetes Solution Center right now for details. Just takes a couple of minutes. 
Our friendly, knowledgeable agents will give you free, no-obligation information, handle all the insurance paperwork, and make sure your supplies are delivered directly to your door for free. Call U.S. Medical Supply 24 hours a day. 800-597-9323. Call right now. 800-597-9323. This is Jeff Carlisi, conservative rocker, lead guitarist, and founding member of the band 38 Special. And you're listening to my friends Donna and Don on Cowboy Logic Radio. And welcome back to Cowboy Logic Radio. I'm Donna Fiducia, along with Don Newen. And our very special guest for this half hour really needs no introduction, because actually if I do introduce him, it'll take up the whole show, given his background. But that would be one Dinesh D'Souza. Let me give you the capsule here real quick here. New York Times bestselling author, writer, scholar, public intellectual, award-winning filmmaker. He has written and he has films, Death of a Nation, Hillary's America, America Imagine the World Without Her, Obama's America, uh, again, an author, and his latest book is The United States of Socialism, Who's Behind It, Why It's Evil, and How to Stop It. Dinesh D'Souza, welcome back to Cowboy Logic Radio. Hey, thank you. Good to be on the show. You know, you came to the U.S. as an exchange student at 18. Similar background as Barack Obama, which you have pointed out in your movies. And it's uh, actually we've had Pete Hegseth on in the past few weeks as well. He has a similar story. You've got uh, somebody like yourself. You've got someone like Barack Obama. Polar opposites now when it comes to living in America. Both living the American dream, yet in my opinion, one really trashes it, the other one embraces it. Yes, uh, Obama is uh, the product of a, an anti-colonialist uh, sentiment that goes back to his father. Remember Obama's own autobiography was called Dreams from My Father. And, and I was exposed to the same anti-colonialist tradition in India, but I also came to recognize that many of the good things happening in India were due to the influence of Western and specifically Christian values and institutions. And so I have a more, you may say, mixed or nuanced view of colonialism. It brought some bad things, but it also brought a lot of good things. I think what we saw with Obama was a certain kind of hatred for Western civilization, which then extended to uh, a hatred of American influence and American power. One reason Obama cut the funding for NASA, basically gutted the institution, is he hated the idea of an American flag on the moon. To him, that represented the ultimate type of colonizing, colonizing the moon, for God's sake. And so, um, uh, interestingly, we had we took a very different path. And my first documentary film was was on the kind of roots of Obama's rage, where where Obama developed his ideology. I subsequently made four films. I'll have a new one out this year, and this new book that I've just published called United States of Socialism, uh, which ties into all the craziness going on around us. This is book um, number eighteen or nineteen for me now. I was just going to say it takes it would take me the entire show to list all of your books. Tell us a little bit about I mean, to me, it seems like the crisis du jour. You see these memes on um, on Facebook, like showing Forrest Gump. And just like that, this happened. Just like that, that happened. I think it's now just like that. COVID-19 is gone. We've gone on to the next crisis and they just can't a 
uh, I think, have a peaceful transition of power if you've got someone like Donald Trump in there or any Republican, really. And B, they have to create chaos, as you well know, break it down so they can build it up the way they feel is is the right way in their eyes. Well, the socialist left these days relies on the politics of fear. Um, they don't really want to have a debate because they can't win a debate. And they know that if people are in a, a calm, rational frame of mind, their ideas appear ridiculous because they, they are ridiculous. Uh, so um, they know that when they can create a panic and a crowd stampede. If you just watch a crowd, a crowd operates almost like the spread of fire. There's a certain kind of mad uh, mania to it, uh, a cult-like um, spread of it. Um, and uh, the left realizes that's the way to get things done that we can't get done otherwise. And I think they learned this lesson during the Great Depression. So the Great Depression was real. But nevertheless, the fear that surrounded the Depression allowed FDR uh, to implement policies that would have been completely unacceptable just a few years earlier. And since then, the left has been trying always to manufacture that fear. So in the 1970s, it was that the earth is running out of food. In the 1980s, nuclear apocalypse. In the 1990s, the ozone layer is dissipating. Last 20 years, it's been, you know, climate change. The oceans are rising. We have a few years to save the planet. Now it's uh, coronavirus. In every case, there's a desire to knock people off their normal stride and then say, you've got to do these 10 things and do them right now. Um, so th- I think that's right. They'd like to have this atmosphere of panic and it allows them then to move into the mode of intimidation as well as controlling people's lives to a degree again that otherwise people would never consent to it's true and um what really scares me is that polls show that more than half of the millennials these are going to be the kids that run the country in the future prefer socialism well, they do. Uh, a lot of them do. Uh, but, of course, it's very difficult to know what they mean by that because they will say right away, hey, look, we're not saying that we want the socialism of Mao Zedong or Lenin uh, or even Venezuela. Uh, we're trying to create this new type of socialism in this country. Uh, I think that what they're hoping for, they say we want the socialism of Scandinavia. We want to be like Sweden or Norway. But in reality, Scandinavia is not the model that they really want. What the Scandinavians do, no leftist in this country really wants to do. First of all, the Scandinavians are capitalist in wealth creation, even if they are socialist in wealth distribution. Uh, the Scandinavians do not kill the goose that lays the golden eggs. They have low corporate taxes, about the same as here. They have um, no minimum wage. Uh, companies can hire and fire people for any reason. They have no wealth tax, no inheritance tax. Uh, you can leave all your money to your children. Uh, so the Scandinavians, um, in that sense, do not demonize the rich. They don't attack the entrepreneurial class like the leftists do here. And while they have these big welfare state programs, uh, and they do, uh, and they have high tax rates, 50 and 60 percent, the relevant point is that they impose the high tax rates even on the middle class. So even if you make $70,000 in Norway or Sweden, you pay a 50 percent tax rate. They don't try to stick the full burden on the rich. And so the kind of politics that the left practices here, essentially robbing Peter to pay Paul in the hope that Paul will vote for you, uh, this whole idea that you're demonizing millionaires and billionaires, they don't do that in Scandinavia. I think Don had a question for well, you. Well, I do. And most of the time, when we've got Dinesh D'Souza on this air, uh, on this radio show, ladies and gentlemen, I sit back and I listen. 
Dinesh, I, I respect you so highly. And I have learned so much from your books and your films. I listened, I, I can't tell you how many times I have watched your films. Countless. Now... Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I love doing the book and the books and the movies as kind of a one-two punch because the book lays out the intellectual argument. It supplies all the references. It's a very good way. It's kind of a handbook of equipping you. So this is a, the latest book is a handbook of socialism. It's called United States of Socialism. And I'll be doing a movie later this summer. I'm just trying to figure out with half the theaters closed in so many states how to release it in the widest way possible. But the movie then becomes a kind of emotional and inspiring narrative that tells the story of the book but tells it in a in a different movie-like way well if and we've told your our, our mutual friend and and your colleague jerry molin this donna still has her sag card i'm going to drop a little silent hint here or a subtle hint <laughs> if you ever have in any of your films somebody that gets killed on a horseback donna wants to be that person i told jerry just, i want to yeah, die bloody <laughs> just to let you know put that away down the road if you ever have one of those scenes she did she does have her sag card i can be at a flat out gallop and get shot off the horse and fall <laughs> and off oftentimes and she and jerry molin are comparing their their uh royalty checks. i send jerry my two dollar royalty check for this one 20 second stint i had on the equalizer <laughs> back in the 80s on cbs that's i still get it he gets a, he gets a kick and out they of it. taxes out of it all right dinesh let me ask you this how do we defeat how does our republic fight back and defeat this attempt to turn America into a socialist country. How do we beat it? It's very important to, to recognize that the socialist left has developed eyes um, and also, you may say, weapons that are not available to our side. If this was a straight fight between Republicans and Democrats or left and right, uh, I think we would do uh, very well. The problem is, uh, and my wife kind of posed the question uh, to me the other day, which startled me. She said, you know, how is it the case that even when we are in control, we are somehow never in charge? The left is still setting the agenda. They still sort of have us up against the wall. And uh, the reason is that they have these huge allies, the deep state, which is the police agencies of government, um, the IRS, the FBI, the CIA, the DOJ. And some of these places have become corrupted at the very high level. Uh, and these are thugs with badges, basically. They're like Antifa, except they, while Antifa is on the street, street thugs, uh, these are the thugs that work sort of behind closed doors, and they have real power. Um, the left also has academia, the media, and Hollywood, and those are three huge things to have because they allow the left to broadcast all kinds of messages and, and, and lies, but one institution reinforces the other. Academia puts out an idea, it's then amplified in the media, Michael Moore rolls in and makes a movie about it, um, and so... Ultimately, I think fighting against the deep state, holding those guys accountable to the law, building our own media institutions, uh, figuring out a way to plant a beachhead in Hollywood, which I've, I'm trying to do. Um, these, uh, and then, of course, taking off these Antifa thugs and Black Lives Matter thugs off the street. Um, these are critical things to accomplish 
right away. Some of them are going to take time, and some of them are going to outlast even Trump, uh, because this isn't just about Trump's re-election. This issue affects every election. You know, what your wife said is so true. I was thinking the same thing. You get an Elon Omar coming in here, or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and all of a sudden, it's like a tidal wave. Everything they say sticks. Everything they want is being pushed for. Whereas you've got Trump, who's there. I really almost see him like Atlas, trying to hold up the world here. You know, the guy's got the way to the world on his shoulders. He's constantly attacked from his own people, including military leaders now, who just ought to keep their mouths shut. I just don't understand it. Uh, like you say, though, it, it is a very, very deep, deep state. And yet, I don't know anybody who could withstand this kind of o- onslaught. And God forbid, if Hillary had been elected, and I hope, and I think your movie actually stopped a lot of that from happening, had she been elected, I think we'd already be Venezuela. Well, we were certainly heading in that direction if we go down the socialist road. And the parallels between Venezuela and America are very chilling. Uh, They have a group called the Colectivos, a kind of criminal gang that roams the streets, supported by the socialist regime, which supplies them with sticks and bats and cement blocks. So they're very similar to our Antifa. In Venezuela, unlike in Scandinavia, they do demonize the rich. Also, Venezuelan socialism is, I call it identity socialism, because it's a marriage of socialism and identity politics. Uh, Traditionally, socialism is just about class, the rich against the poor. But um, identity politics is about uh, race and gender and sexual orientation and immigration. So it's about black against white and um, male against female and straight against gay and legal against illegal. Well, you have that politics in Venezuela, the demonization of white people, um, the the whole concept of identity politics. Hugo Chavez, the former dictator, was indigenous, and so the anti-colonial theme is in there as well. Uh, And that resembles socialism here, because the left in this country is all about identity politics. And if you look at the Democratic candidates debating, you know, one guy goes, hey, I'm gay, Pete Buttigieg. Another guy goes, Cory Booker, hey, I'm black. And then Kamala Harris goes, yeah, you're black, but you're a black, but you're a male. I'm black and female. I'm a twofer. And then Elizabeth Warren goes, well, I'm a female, and I'm also American Indian. Oops, well, not really, but (laughs) so what you're getting at here, Biden promises to nominate a woman, and now he might insist a black woman. So this game of reducing everything to your, your skin color and your gender and your sex organs, this is the kind of new socialism we're dealing with in this country. We do have to challenge it and refute it on its own terms. It's not enough for us to say, you know what, socialism never worked before. It didn't work in Russia and China, so it's not going to work here. Because, as I said, the left and and young people are attracted to this new type of socialism. And and it's all identity. Like you say, let's check off the boxes. Whatever happened to actually having talent? I mean, you've even got, what is it, Harvard and Yale are are actually saying they can't have that many Asians in there because it's too many. So, I mean, you can't have any talent anymore, and that just dumbs down everything. It really scares me as far as doctors are concerned. How do we know how good a medical doctor is going to be if he's just pushed or she uh, or whatever they are happen to be pushed through medical school? How do we know they're really learning? How, the, how do we know they're not the best and brightest that we're putting our lives on the line for when we go to a doctor now at this point or anything for that matter? 
We've seen, I mean, I think that's quite right. That is the sort of affirmative action run amok. Uh, but I think we are going into an even darker uh, stage now where we have seen in recent uh, days the emergence of paramilitary gangs on the streets. And this, uh, this I have not seen in America in my adult uh, lifetime. Uh, you would have seen it 100 years ago on the streets of Italy uh, under Mussolini, the black shirts, or even in Germany in the early 30s. Uh, the brown shirts, Hitler's brown shirts, uh, street thugs. And um, that would be disturbing enough on its own, but to see that these street thugs have Hollywood allies who put up bail money for them, and then media allies at CNN who talk about the fact that they're like the new George Washington, um, and uh, powerful allies in the mayor's office, including the mayors of places like Berkeley and Portland, uh, Oregon, and even New York City. So this tells you that Antifa has friends in high places, and it tells you that the Democratic Party, powerful people in the Democratic Party have come to the view that they need a street gang in order to target, by the way, not just bad cops, not even cops in general, but entrepreneurs, all kinds of people who are not cooperative with their radical ideology. What really gets me is how you're seeing the majority of these thugs, these rioters, are white. And they're breaking into mostly black-owned businesses, and the media doesn't have a problem with that. To me, as, as a former member of the media, I saw it slipping through into the 90s. I started thinking, my gosh, this, these people are trying to get me to skew my reporting to the way they think it needs to be done. And and they many of my quote unquote colleagues would go out there already have their piece written and try to find somebody who can actually dictate what they want to uh, be professed. Essentially, they'd write their piece, their minute and a half, whatever you know, man on the street piece, and go out there and coach these uh, people that they would find into saying what they wanted them to say. That's not journalism, you know, at all. Journalism to me is totally dead. Our, our media has completely, um, well, I suppose part of it is, one way to put it is they've completely come out of the closet. Mm -hmm. And they are not interested in um, any uh, quaint notion of um, uh, being objective or uh, bo uh, trying to articulate both sides. And they're not even really committed to free speech. So there's a certain futility in our side pointing out their double standards uh, or because even when you point out their double standard, you are implying that they are devoted to some higher ideal of objectivity, and we're hoping to sort of shame them into saying, oh, gee, yes, I, I, should, be, I should cover Trump as president, somewhat the same way as I covered Obama as president. Well, no, they don't believe in that objectivity. Their view is that they are on one side, and they are the public relations arm of that side in the same way that Goebbels was the propaganda minister you know, for the Nazi regime. He wouldn't dream of, of uh, airing both sides, because to him there weren't both sides. Um, and uh, so I, I think our media in that sense is, um, has taken sides, and we just have to acknowledge that, uh, work to reduce the power of the media in our minds and create alternative forms of media so that we don't get all worked up about some op-ed published in the New York Times. We recognize the New York Times as reflecting some provincial, twisted, Manhattan, uh, suburban, or, or urban perspective. Okay, that's fine, but it's not exactly all the news that's fit to print. We recognize as complete garbage all those types of pretensions. Exactly. 
Absolutely. We're talking to Dinesh D'Souza, New York Times bestselling author, writer, scholar, public intellectual and award-winning filmmaker as well. His latest book, The United States of Socialism, Who's Behind It, Why It's Evil, and How to Stop It. Dinesh, how do we stop it? We stop it um, every which way. We need to stop it politically, and that means we have to defeat the left. And uh, I think Trump, in a weird way, is looking very strong because not only is he going to show, he is showing that he's going to be able to rebuild the economy a second time. And by the way, that jack-in-the-box Obama can't jump up this time and say, I did it. <laughs> um, so, it's, uh, so Trump is going to show his economic uh, capabilities. Uh, I think he's also the law and order president. It's basically he needs to tell the American people, listen, the Democrats, they're, they're burning your cities down with the consent of the mainstream of the Democratic Party. They're okay with this. So we are facing complete lawlessness in this country. I'm what stands between lawlessness and you. And so if you don't want to live in a country where there's going to be a big rock coming through your window and thugs are going to show up and beat you up and they're trying to defund the police, if you don't want that, then don't vote for the Democrats. Vote for us. Um, And I cannot believe that that will not be an overwhelmingly winning message, even in Democratic districts. I don't believe that even Democrats want to live in a chaotic, lawless society. And uh, so we defeat them politically. We have to fight them intellectually. I think we can do a lot better on that front. And we have to start building our own media platforms. We're too dependent on digital media, social media, places where they can ultimately chop our legs off anytime they want. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to do a, a, a plug for the great work of Dinesh D'Souza. And we do this often for our guests. But I need to let you guys know that We have never received a free copy of any of Dinesh's films or his books. We buy them. Not only do we buy them, we don't give them away after we've bought them. Some of the the guests that we've had on here and some of the books, after we've read the books, Donna, we'll give it away as a gift. And that's a good gesture, and it's a good way to help out spread word. We don't do that because when we have people come to our house, we make them watch the films. It's almost (laughs) like if you're going to come and hang out at the Double D Ranch with Don and Donna, there's a couple of films you got to watch. And Dinesh's films are those films. What I'm encouraging you to do, if you don't own any of these, go on to Amazon, go on to Dinesh's website, find the, find the material and buy it. Mm-hmm. And then buy it again around Christmas time and give these things away as gifts. There's nothing better that you can give a loved one than ammo in the form of vetted information and everything Dinesh D'Souza does is vetted information. Dinesh, I thank you. We've still got about three minutes here, but I just wanted to thank you for making me a better educated American citizen because that's what you've done over the years. I really appreciate that. It means so much to me, and I try to focus my work on uh, formulating um, the ideas that will counter the socialist left um, and, and then trying to get that message out very widely. So if you can help me to uh, not only uh, digest the message and learn from it, but help to share it and promulgate it, I think that's, um, that, will go, that will go a long way to countering and fighting these trends in our culture. I mean, quite frankly, your work 
ought to be in every classroom Required. of every high school and college in America. And it's, it's not. We know that. I mean, quite frankly, you're probably banned from mm-hmm. a lot of universities. But if, you know, our, our little uh, private school here in our rural University Georgia town, of West Georgia that Newt Gingrich used to teach at has nothing but Barack Obama books when you go in there. It's as liberal as it gets. You know, come on, give me a break here. But um, encourage, ladies and gentlemen, when you get the materials, the books, the films that Dinesh has, has done and produced, written and produced, encourage your local school to put those books in the library. It's important. Spreading his word is critically important. And that's Dinesh D'Souza, D-S-O-U-Z-A, D-I-N-E-S-H, D-S-O-U-Z-A dot com, at Dinesh D'Souza on Twitter. And you can get the books at Walmart, Amazon, and also uh, Dinesh's website. Again, Dinesh D'Souza dot com. I do want to tell you one thing, Dinesh, talking about how social media is clamping down on people. I have a friend who's a, a commie lib from New York. <laughs> she lives in Texas now because she doesn't want to have to pay taxes. And I said to her. And so she's, she's a hypocrite. She, yeah, well, okay. and I said to her, have you read Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals? She goes, no, never heard of them. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So you know what I did? This was about three days ago, Dinesh. I printed just a quick thing on Facebook about Rules for Radicals, how Hillary Clinton wrote her thesis on that, and the main bullet points of Rules for Radicals and Facebook blocked it, said it was false news and it was fact checked and they pulled it down. They wouldn't let me produce they wouldn't let me put it up there. So I mean well, how so is that, that that tells you a that tells you a lot, doesn't it? The fact that Yeah, so we we don't want to be at the mercy of these types of platforms. And I think Trump recognizes the problem as well. Uh, He recognizes the need to have truly, uh, have independent forums where we can speak freely. And so I think that's going to be important for us to to build. Um, we, we, We are a little responsible ourselves for this. We've allowed the left to seize the high ground of the culture. Um, And we also need to be better at generating narratives that, state things from our point. The left is really good at narratives. They take the George Floyd Mm -hmm. matter. They'll be like, listen, what happened to George Floyd is not anomalous. It's not a freak case. It happens every day. Cops are like this in general. America is racist. Uh, Capitalism is allied with white supremacy. It's been this way since 1619 when the first white man set foot uh, on the shores of this country. So that's their narrative. And they relentlessly drum that into people. Now, we need, we don't need to just say things like, well, facts don't care about your feelings. No, we need to have our own counter-narrative of what America means and how America was built and who the pioneers were and, 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 and how the promise of America has extended from and included groups even previously included. So we need to tell our own story. And I think partly this is why I got into the documentary film business was to take ideas uh, that I had articulated and defended and put them into narrative. Exactly. Oh, I think you need an office in the West Wing, but yeah. that, we'll save that for the next... We well, uh, did with Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah. Dinesh D'Souza's new book, The United States of Socialism, Who's Behind It, Why It's Evil, and How to Stop It. Folks, again, go to DineshD'Souza.com, at Dinesh D'Souza on Twitter. Pick it up at Walmart, Amazon, again, or Dinesh's website. Dinesh D'Souza goes by way too fast all the time. Thank you so much for joining us here on Cowboy Logic Radio. And we're going to stay on this anti-socialism topic. Coming up, our good buddy, Trevor Loudon, on Cowboy Logic Radio.
Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? Mm. What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pills deliver the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. And right now, radio callers will get 44 blue or yellow pills for $120 with free discreet shipping. You can save more than $700 off pharmacy prices. Charge your sex life now and save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now. 800-218-6473. 800-218-6473. That's 800-218-6473. No one likes to think about disasters or what could happen to you or your family If you find yourself in the middle of one, look around you. Don't you wish that uh, maybe a few months ago you had gone to preparewithmojo50.com and picked up an emergency food supply? The reason is not that you're panicked. The reason is that you want to be ready for anything. Look what happened at the grocery stores in the last few weeks. There are others out there who tend to lose their minds when things aren't normal. You, however, are smart. You know how to do things the right way. You know how to be prepared. You know how to take care of your family. And it shows. I mean, you listen to Mojo 5 So go to preparewithmojo50.com. You will find a special deal for you as a Mojo listener on a food supply, an emergency food supply that will ensure that you have enough food for you and your family for months, however long you decide you need the supply for. It really is a great deal, and it's about being ready for anything. Prepare with Mojo50.com. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo 5 Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. Researchers in England say they have the first evidence that a drug can improve COVID-19 survival. A cheap, widely available steroid reduced deaths by up to one-third in severely ill hospitalized patients. Dr. Martin Landre, who co-led the clinical trial, says dexamethasone is inexpensive and readily available. One of the really nice things about it is, is that it's, um, it's a treatment we've already got. It's sitting in the drug cupboards in every hospital in the country. It costs about £5 for a course of treatment. Um, and it has a, a, you know, a, a good and big effect in the patients who most need it. The U.S.'s top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, says this is a significant improvement in the available therapeutic options that we have. The Justice Department has sued former National Security Advisor John Bolton to stop the publication of his book on his time at the White House, claiming it contains classified information. The Justice Department is requesting a federal court order Bolton to further delay its publication to allow national security to complete its review process in a manner acceptable to the government. Bolton's attorney says the White House classification specialist has had the book manuscript since December. The Justice Department is also asking the court to grant it the rights to all proceeds that Bolton earns from the publication of the book. Correspondent George Bonzani. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says the country is facing a deep downturn with significant uncertainty about the timing and strength of an economic recovery. He warns that the longer the recession lasts, the worse the damage that will be inflicted on the job market and businesses. Powell said Tuesday that the central bank was committed to using all of its powers to cushion the economic fallout from the coronavirus. 
But he said until the public is confident that the disease has been contained, a full recovery is unlikely. On Wall Street, the Dow up by 526 points today. More on these stories at townhall.com. You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. If you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1581-877-247-1581-877-247-1581. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them. And I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org. m25m.org. Well, if you said the world has gone crazy, I think 99.9% of the Earth's population would, in fact, agree with you. Here's the thing. You can never be too prepared for the craziness that's happening all around you. Keep your head while others are losing theirs. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. You will find an emergency food supply with a big discount because you are a Mojo 50 listener. It's not about uh, panic. It's about being ready for anything. Preparewithmojo50.com. everyone, I'm Donna Fiducia. And I'm Don Newen. And this is Cowboy Logic Radio. Cowboys didn't dance, didn't wear designer shirts. When their hearts were filled with memories, bodies filled with birds. They would sit around the campfire and exchange a piercing glare. Back when the West was really wild, Cowboys didn't dance. is Trevor Loudon. I'm a writer and filmmaker from Christchurch, New Zealand. I have spent the last several years in America and have addressed more than 400 audiences in over 40 states. My mission is to expose the influence of radical and terrorist groups in the mainstream political parties, academia, media and the culture. In my recent travels, I've come across two phrases more and more often. Antifa and civil war. But who is Antifa? Why are they organizing? What are their goals? I knew from my 30 years of studying radical movements that Antifa would likely be connected to more mainstream leftist organizations. 
I knew that Antifa was a reincarnation of the so-called Black Bloc, a protest tactic where gangs of black-clad, masked street protesters engage in anonymous violence. These were the anti-Iraq war radicals who rampaged through San Francisco's financial district in 2003. The Black Bloc were part of the Occupy Wall Street movement of 2011. They were responsible for massive amounts of damage and chaos. The Black Bloc came back after the 2016 presidential elections, this time as Antifa. Even more violent, smashing property and viciously assaulting all those who opposed them. There was also another difference. Numerous reports from victims and media alike of police refusal to intervene in incidents of violence. I became increasingly appalled by regular displays of extreme violence and disgusted by a mainstream media which either ignored, excused or even glorified the thuggery. I think that a lot of people recognize that when pushed, self-defense is a legitimate response to white supremacist and neo-Nazi violence. I decided to do some digging. I immersed myself in the deepest recesses of the internet. Then I reached out to some of Antifa's most prominent opponents. And even if I didn't agree with them on many things, I sought out the most active warriors against Antifa. Steve Dace is a political commentator, host of The Steve Dace Show on CRTV, and a nationally syndicated talk show host. You know, so much of what we are living through now actually comes from what happened in Italy uh, in the 20s and the 30s, where you saw the clashes between the fascists and the Marxists there. And that's where Antifa comes from, the anti-fascists, people that uh, wanted to go after the Mussolini regime. Leon Trotsky, creator and leader of the Soviet Red Army, formed the first Antifa-type units, groups of armed paramilitary thugs used to suppress opposition to communism in the years leading up to the Bolshevik Revolution. The Antifa concept was so successful that Trotsky spread it through Italy, Germany and other European countries the communists were targeting for takeover. Antifa gained fame in the years prior to the Nazi takeover of Germany in 1933. The German Communist Party and the Social Democrats set up Antifa units to wage war on Hitler's street thugs, the brown shirts. From an ideological perspective, it's a sibling rivalry. Hey, we're the thugs around here. No, we're the thugs. Hey, we're the gangsters here. No, we're the gangsters. Hey, we're the tyrants here. No, we're going to be the tyrants. After the Nazis destroyed Antifa and the Communist Party, many former left-wing militants switched sides to the Nazis. It would make sense they would switch sides to the Nazis because they have the same exact plans. They have the same exact schemes. They have the same exact uh, devices. The only difference is which group gains control. And so ultimately, if the other group gains control of this battle of the wills, if you will, then, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. One internal SA report claimed that 55% of the brown shirt ranks were former communists or socialists. They called them beefsteak Nazis, brown on the outside, red in the center. 
In the 1980s, black-clad, ski-mask-wearing protesters known as The Anonymous rampaged through German streets protesting against visiting American President Ronald Reagan. I have read and I have been questioned since I've been here about certain demonstrations against my coming. And I would like to say just one thing, and to those who demonstrate so. I wonder if they have ever asked themselves that if they should have the kind of government they apparently seek, no one would ever be able to do what they're doing again. Antifa resurfaced in the early 1990s. German communists and anarchists joined forces to combat gangs of neo-Nazi skinheads coming out of formerly communist East Germany. British communists and anarchists formed similar units to fight the British National Front. Opposition to a handful of real fascists soon morphed into violence against any opponent of the far-left agenda. The German Intelligence Service website explains that to Antifa, the word fascist has two meanings. Firstly, genuine Nazis. Secondly, anyone who supports the Western free enterprise system, capitalism. Lauren Southern is a Canadian journalist and free speech activist. She has encountered and confronted Antifa in Vancouver, Canada, the United Kingdom, Germany, New York and Berkeley, California. Sheltered, nurtured and funded by left-wing city councils, Antifa became well-established across Germany, especially in the formerly communist East. They have places in Germany, entire cities that I've gone to that are like known as Antifa towns and have their stickers all over and they can't set up police stations there or they'll be shut down and raided and attacked by this militant group. And they've just become a thing since Trump's election in America. They've really just started to get a wave of popularity there. And I'm worried that it's going to get as bad as it is in Europe. I was interviewing a young man in Germany who was like, please blur my face, please distort my voice in this interview. He wasn't saying anything particularly offensive, just something with a remote right wing. That that would be a moderate idea in America. And he was so afraid because he said the Antifa in Germany would put him on their website and on their lists and they might hurt his child. They might come after his job, his livelihood, crash his home. There are plenty of stories of the homes of fascists being raided and all their things being smashed. Milo Yiannopoulos is an English-born, American-based political commentator, media personality and journalist. Milo's speaking events have been attacked by Antifa on several occasions, forcing him to spend half a million dollars a year on personal security. Antifa is an organization that claims to fight fascism, um, being anti-fascist, but is actually you know, the most fascist organization probably in the United States, um, dedicated to you know, closing down by violent means um, the speech of libertarians and conservatives and basically anybody they don't like. Um, anybody, and, and, and who they don't like is a, is, a, is a net cast very wide. Gavin McInnes was a co-founder of Vice Media, He has challenged Antifa repeatedly in New York and Washington, D.C. As a teenage anarchist punk, Gavin McGuinness fought Nazi skinheads on the streets of Ottawa and Montreal. When I did my talk at NYU, I got pepper sprayed. Um, They wouldn't let my guys in, so they stayed and fought. Two of them got arrested, and they're just fighting, fighting a mob. I went and did my talk like this. 
can barely see because it keeps dripping into your eyes from your forehead no matter how much you clean it. And uh, they were screaming, whose campus, our campus, whose campus, our campus, in, in, in a catatonic state. And I went over to my microphone. There's plenty of mics. And I couldn't do my talk. And the professors, by the way, pretended they were regulating this talk, but they weren't. They didn't kick anyone out. They just said, please sit down. Just going through the motions. But they're implicit in all this. And I went over to the guy and I said, here's a microphone. Come on up. Let's have it out. And as I brought the microphone to him, the way I describe it is it was like a radioactive So as it got closer, he went, oh. And this sort of, the, whatever you call that meter, that radioactive meter was going closer to him. And he'd go, oh, who's coming up? And then when it got really near his face, he'd just cringe. And then as I walked away, whose campus, our campus, whose campus? And it got louder and louder. Most American Antifa came out of the anarchist movement. They were anti-authoritarian. They wanted no government, maximum freedom. Today's Antifa will still claim to be anarchist, but in fact have morphed into totalitarian communists. Okay, Nobody so should own anything. So you support communism? What do you, what do you, what do you fucking think, dude? Do you know, do you understand who you're talking with here? Yes. Do you understand who you're talking with here? Yes. Do you understand? Yes. I'm a communist. Okay? They have no problem saying we are communist anarchists and they wave the hammer and sickle and they basically have been duped by Marxists. So what's the difference between today's anarchist movement and the communist movement? Is there a difference? There's absolutely no difference whatsoever. Lindsay Grathwall is a Bay Area free speech activist, rally organizer and a mother. Lindsay is the daughter of the late Larry Grathwall, once an undercover FBI informant inside the terrorist weather underground organization. This violent revolution they want to bring about for social justice and peace, but how are they planning on bringing about social justice and peace by putting bombs in places where they would kill innocent people? Well, the, these guys actually believed that they were capable of overthrowing the government. They honestly believed that they were going to succeed um, and that the only way to accomplish this goal of creating a communist society and government here in the United States was uh, by uh, strategic sabotage. What impassions you to be involved in this? My dad probably inspires me the most, um, just what he did and me seeing what's going on and how it reminds me of everything that happened to him. That's probably my biggest motivation, aside from the fact that I love this country. I love this country and I'm watching it, in my opinion, I'm watching it fall apart. And I feel like I need to get in there and do something. So your dad, Larry Grathwell, tell us a little bit about what he did back in the 70s that makes him so exceptional. He was in Vietnam. He was uh, in the 101st Airborne. Um, when he returned from Vietnam, he went to uh, University of Cincinnati where he ran into the SDS, which was eventually turned into the Weather Underground Group, which is a domestic terrorist group from the 1960s and 70s. My father was the only FBI informant that was able to penetrate this group when they went underground. He was their runner. He would run messages between the Central Committee and other groups. And so he knew what, what, what the main characters in that group were doing at all times. He watched them plan bombings, um, watched them plan many acts of violence, and Antifa reminds me of the Weather Underground. 
just 30 years later. So one of the leaders of the Weather Underground, who I know your father knew very well, was Bill Ayers. Yes. The famous professor from Chicago yes. who mentored uh, Barack Obama. Yes. Bill Ayers is involved in the leadership of Refuse Fascism, one of the main Antifa groups nationally, actually, yeah. a front for the Revolutionary Communist Party. How does that make you feel, seeing that man who your father knew back then as a terrorist now leading Antifa today? Angry. I'm angry. Um, this man should be in jail. Um, him and his wife, Bernadine Dorn, they should both be in jail. They should not be out. It makes me angry because he's out there pushing this, but not only is he out there pushing this now, he's been allowed to push this in our schools for decades. And I firmly believe that his teachings, just him and the liberal teachings, have made Antifa what it is. Jack Posobiec is a highly controversial journalist, activist and former Special Projects Director of Citizens for Trump. He has served several tours in the Naval Reserves as an intelligence officer. Jack uses his intelligence skills to track Antifa activities. I, I'm not a Nazi. What are you doing, man? Hey. We were told 20 years ago that communism had collapsed, that communism was no longer a problem. Yet we see violence and anarchy on America's streets like we haven't seen since the 1970s. And at that time, we know it was communist-directed, you know, by the Weather Underground, the Communist Party USA and others. So why are we seeing this violent, communistic sort of activity today when it's no longer supposed to be a problem? Because while the Soviet Union fell, right, the Berlin Wall came down, sure, that all happened. But the ideology of communism, the ideology of sort of those people in the 70s that, that you mentioned were out there in the streets, from a great part of the United States, certainly in the Democrat Party, those people that were out there in the 70s, uh, Bill Ayers comes to mind, are now tied to the highest levels of the Democrat Party, the highest levels of the U.S. Senate, the highest levels of the U.S. Congress. Uh, they find themselves in many places, uh, George Soros, you know, Wall Street, a billionaire. Uh, and so having this amount of money tied to those ideologies is now, we're now seeing that even though, okay, the, the, the government, the infrastructure of the Soviet Union fell, certainly, uh, but the ideology of communism was not defeated. While researching the funding of these radical groups, I came across information from the Capital Research Center. $50,000 was channeled to refuse fascism through the Communist Party-aligned Alliance for Global Justice. They received a $50,000 grant, which if you trace it back through sort of a liberal group, then a progressive group, then a globalist group, it actually goes back to the Open Society Foundation and George Soros. It's funny because it's almost like getting a game of whack-a-mole with George Soros, but it really does tie back to him in a lot of cases. I sort of look at Antifa as, as the ultimate cloward pivot plan. They're like the ultimate expression of the Cloward Piven plan. And if you know that analogy, these were two professors at Columbia University in another era who took a look at America and realized she was never going to knowingly adopt Marxism because there's just too much freedom and prosperity out there. People aren't going to give that up without a fight, right? You know, so uh, instead overrun the system with victimology, overrun the system with bureaucracy so that the system collapses and then they feel as if they have no alternative but to turn to government to save us. Antifa is after the exact same thing. Create enough chaos in the streets, create enough bloodshed in the streets, people lose faith in their government. Chaos is the friend of the Marxist. 
Soviet communist leader Leon Trotsky, a master of propaganda, used the Soviet media to vilify all opposition to communism. Are there parallels with today's media? I think the people who are doing the dangerous stuff, it's not me cracking jokes on stage in front of college students. The dangerous stuff is the media, um, you know, constantly talking about punch a Nazi, you know, to say, you know to asking whether it's okay to punch a Nazi at the same time as branding everyone Nazis. It's the media constantly calling Republicans uh, bigots, anti-Semites, white nationalists, white supremacists on the basis of no evidence whatsoever. And I've been called all of those things, and it's ludicrous. To just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. This is called concept creep. Activists expand the meanings of words to advance their agenda. To Antifa, fascist now means anyone who opposes socialism. Racist means anyone who voted for President Trump. There are two steps in this process. First, vilify and dehumanize your enemy. Second, destroy your enemy. You have to understand, like, my generation grew up our whole lives watching movies like Indiana Jones, where the coolest thing in the world is to punch or kill a Nazi, right? We watched Inglorious Bastards, which is just get me 100 Nazi scalps. And then we, we grow up through this inauguration election cycle, and we're told in university media, all the popular culture, that Donald Trump is Hitler. His supporters, those red caps, they might as well be swastika armbands. What are you supposed to do? If you are told that this is going to be the rise of a man who you've been taught has killed millions and millions of people, what are you how are you supposed to react to that? The only logical response to that is to go and try to stop it by any means necessary. Just kill them all. Kill Trump. Let's kill all these Nazis. And again, Trump is a Nazi and everyone who voted for him is a Nazi. So let's kill, I don't know, 100 million people. Would that be good? As Marxists are wont to do for their utopias, right, that they haven't planned out yet. In America, almost all major Antifa violence has occurred in cities where the police are reined in by far-left, Democrat-controlled city councils. Boston, New York, Washington, D.C., Charlottesville, Virginia, Portland, Oregon, Oakland, San Francisco, Berkeley, California. We found evidence of considerable Antifa-Democrat interaction. Sometimes the ties are personal. Among those Choice says committed crimes, Linwood Kane, the son of former Democratic Party vice presidential nominee Tim Kane. Linwood Kane will have to appear in court to face charges for fleeing on foot and obstructing the legal process. Wall Street Donald Trump is screwing you. Linwood Kane fought the police and had to be restrained with a chemical spray. In some cities, Antifa has actually penetrated the Democratic Party. In Orlando, Florida, Dylan Tyre leads the Antifa group Knights for Socialism, which is completely controlled by America's largest Marxist organization, Democratic Socialists of America. Dylan Tyre serves on the local DSA Executive Committee. His chairman, Adam Whitmer, doubles as a field director for the Florida Democratic Party. Often, Antifa is funded and trained by Democratic Party allied labor unions. Such is the case in Portland, Oregon. 
When we were in Portland, there was actually Antifa training that was happening Saturday before the rally in Portland on Sunday. There were posters planted all around Portland that our our guys got pictures of. They wanted me to go in, and we were going to try to send a couple of our people in there just to find out what they're doing. And I was willing to do it. I said, okay, but I didn't make it in time. So they tried to send a couple of um, other people that I know in there. They immediately, they were stopped before they could even get up the driveway. What's interesting is that the training happened at the- Labor Union building. Yes, it was going on there. And then one of the Antifa people, of course, they all have, you know, um, bandanas on their face. You can't see who it is. He said he wanted to make it known that not only did they own that building, but they owned three or four blocks, like, the whole, you know, all around there, that our guys needed to get out of there, like, right now. Very organized. It was very, very organized. It wasn't a cheap-looking building. It was very nice um, from what I saw the pictures. That's not college kids just protesting. There's money behind these people. Lots of money. When it comes to anti-far thuggery, Berkeley, California is in a class all of its own. Well, I was gearing up to give a regular talk in Berkeley, like one of my college talks like I always do, um, and we'd had some information that they were going to try some some drama, and then suddenly we heard that the building was on fire and things were being destroyed outside, and it turned out that this armed mob of like uh, 200 well-funded, well-organized you know, thugs had shown up uh, ready for war, basically, throwing firebombs at the side of the building, like storming it. The police had been told to, to back off. So I got evacuated from the building, and the, you know, the police were just not prepared to protect me or anyone associated with me or my audience. Not necessarily pe- fans of mine, but just people who wanted to come and hear what I had to say, or even other protesters. They just stood back and allowed this armed mob um, to to destroy a town. I mean, you know, one of the things people always say that they did $100,000 worth of damage to, to the University of Berkeley. What doesn't get reported as often is they also did $400,000 worth of damage to downtown Berkeley. Took like a half a million dollars worth of, of criminal damage, you know, looting and destruction because a sassy gay guy likes to make fat jokes and talk about the wage gap. I mean, what what is going on? This is supposed to be the home of the First Amendment. This is supposed to be the land of, you know, of free speech. Check us out on the web at cowboylogic.us. You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. And if you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. December 16th, 1773. And now, what really happened at the Boston Tea Party? What are they doing? They're throwing all the king's tea and coffee to the harbor to protest taxation without representation. Do you think we should stop them? I really like my coffee. Come on, it's not American Pride Roasters. Yeah, that would be a trebuchet mockery. American Pride Roasters, the choice coffee of real American patriots for over 250 years. That's right. Get yours today at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Dang it, Chris. Hurry up and open that door and get over here and help me. This cooler's getting heavy. Well, um... Yeah, I, I can give you a hand, uh, but I, I locked the keys in the bunker. 
Dang it, Chris. We have to do off-track in an hour. How are we going to get in there now? Relax. I got a new lock we can install later, but right now we need a battering ram. Hey, I know. Let's use the cat cooler as a battering ram. It certainly is rugged, but I don't think it's made for taking down steel reinforced doors. Man, relax. The thing can take 2,500 pounds of concrete with only minor scratches. We can definitely open the door with it. Rusty, grab the other side. All right. Well, we need a new door, but the cooler's good. Let's get to the studio. Get your cat cooler today at catcoolers.com. That's catcoolers.com. Cat Coolers does not approve of their product for use as a battering ram and cannot recommend you use it in any breaking and entering scenario, but it worked and it was fun. No coolers were harmed in the production of this ad, but the door is a total loss. Also, don't use it for smuggling a cat into New Mexico, as it's against the law. It may not be the zombie apocalypse, but present times prove it's actually not crazy to be prepared. And Mojo 5 in partnership with My Patriot Supply, will help our listeners prepare with Mojo5O.com. It's smart to have a reliable emergency food source. Natural disasters have a devastating impact when all other conditions are perfect. When supply lines are stressed already, further disruption could leave your local markets bare for days or even weeks. You need a plan today. Only for Mojo listeners and for a limited time, you receive $70 off a two-week supply of 92 servings or $100 off a four-week supply of 284 servings. You'll get meals packing 2,000-plus calories a day with a 25-year shelf life. More than just food, My Patriot Supply has personal water filtration, backup power, and lighting sources, as well as medical kits and other survival gear. All this and more is available to you, the Mojo listener, by using Prepare with Mojo 5 that's prepare with mojo50.com. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them, and I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org. m25m.org. Often, and Berkeley, California is a prime example, Antifa works hand-in-glove with the local Democrat-controlled city council. Berkeley Antifa works closely with BAM by any means necessary. BAM leaders, including Yvette Falaka, are very close to the Berkeley city council. Current Berkeley Mayor Jesse Aragon, former Mayor Lonnie Hancock and current Berkeley City Councillor Chris Worthington have all been members of the BAM Facebook group. What specifically is it about Milo Yiannopoulos that you and others have an issue with? Well, first of all, Milo Yiannopoulos is a fascist. He's a white supremacist. He's funded by Steve Bannon and Breitbart. He's an acolyte of Donald Trump. And he was on the UC Berkeley campus to try to recruit more fascists. By any means necessary are a group of professors, students, quote-unquote intellectuals publicly stating they believe that right-wingers and uh, people they deem to be fascists need to be stopped by any means necessary. That means guns. That means violence. That means potentially killing people, which is a very, very scary thing that is being advocated 
publicly and with very little resistance in America. Why not be peaceful about it? Why not, you know, chant and, and, and hold your signs and things, but when you take the barricades and you destroy the building and when you set fires, isn't that counterproductive? I think that the left has been far too timid for way too long. And it's why we've even gotten in this position where we even have someone like Donald Trump leading a fascist movement as the president of the United States. We need to make sure that we have more mass protests, more militant protests that are mass and militant. Community college professor and anarchist Eric Clanton was arrested for allegedly hitting several people with a bike lock during protests in Berkeley. Eric Clanton's lawyer is lifelong activist Dan Siegel. Dan Siegel, another BAM Facebook group member, was once West Coast leader of the pro-North Korea Communist Workers' Party, the Antifa of the late 1970s. When you spoke to the judge, you said, look, people were saying unpleasant things. What does that have to do with the assault that took place? Why is that relevant to anything? I think there was a lot of anger at the demonstration on April 15. These all right people were using Nazi and KKK salutes, waving a flag that has Nazi and KKK symbols on it. People didn't like that. Uh, They was yelling back and forth. Uh, What happened beyond that I think needs to be proven in court. I don't think there is proof that my client attacked anyone. They need moral chaos in a culture. They need to bring a culture to the divisive breaking point where it essentially turns to the strongman, the authoritarian figure that is the leader of their tribe and say, hey, fix this for us, save us from ourselves, bring us order. Uh, and that is the siren's song. I have seen the violence escalate on my tour up to a shooting and then UC Berkeley, which was just pandemonium, as a direct result of the failure of law enforcement to nip um, these violent incidents in the bud. Hey, how come you guys are hanging back? That would be a good question for the chief of police. I mean, I haven't seen the cops around doing like beating the shit out of each other. It's a public statement, right? I know, I'm just asking you guys. I mean, you're here. I would defer you to our public information officer. So they told you to hang back? As I said, I refer you to our public information officer. What's your next question? I mean, I'm just wondering why I've been I've been watching all day people get get you know beat up pretty bad. I haven't seen you guys around much. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they practically send a signal that you can come and you know come and have a go. You know by policing so badly, so lightly, so hands-off, and basically letting people get away with murder, they're sort of sending a signal to, to, to violent protesters, to, to organizations like Antifa. If you show up and you want to beat people up and smash up property, we're not going to stop you. Uh, that, for me, is just you know, like the definition of dereliction of duty for a law enforcement agency, and it's got to stop. If you no longer have a platform to discuss, which the conversation very quickly went from Uh, Should we allow free speech to, should we ban hate speech to, should we respond to hate speech with violence? Once the conversation has gotten to that point, there is no more capability for the right and left to 
communicate at two different tables and bring their ideas. The only possible conclusion is violence. And these guys are being exposed for what they are. They're not freedom fighters pushing for less government. They're brainwashed communists trying to kill people. Milo's event, there were people being on the streets that were just being beat with sticks, innocent women just being pepper sprayed, just everywhere we went there was piss being thrown on us explosives being thrown at us bricks being thrown at us we were being beat punched everything and at one point you're gonna snap august 2017 a unite the right rally is held in charlottesville virginia this was not like previous rallies it was not led by peace-loving patriots infiltrated by a few crazies This was a rally of genuine white supremacists, bona fide Nazis, and Ku Klux Klansmen. If you are walking down Main Street America, waving a Nazi flag, one, you're a moron, two, you're a terrible person. White lives matter! White lives matter! The whole event was a disaster waiting to happen. Thousands of activists swarmed on the town looking to confront Nazis. Workers' World Party brought a contingent to confront the cops and their clan running dogs in Charlottesville, Virginia, as part of a battle to take down altars to racism, what the media cynically calls Confederate monuments. It wasn't just Antifa, it was Democratic Socialists of America, International Workers of the World, the Party of Socialism and Liberation, and the pro-Russia Workers' World Party. Essentially, what you're dealing with, from a worldview standpoint, are two peas in a pod. Their only argument they really have is, we want to be the thugs in control, and not you. We want to essentially do to the people that you're ruling almost all the exact same things that you want to do. We just want to be the one holding the gun to their head instead. The two sides fought for hours. According to several media reports, the only action police took was to steer white supremacists into direct confrontation with the anti-fascists. There is no moral high ground there. The proper antidote to lawlessness is not another form of aberrant lawlessness. The, The proper antidote to lawlessness is law and order, and that is something true law and order that neither Nazis or Antifa are advocates for. If nothing is done, if law enforcement do not stop, these um, groups who could easily be stopped before they even arrive at the venues. I mean, they advertise on Facebook they're going to show up, for goodness sake. That's how confident they are. That's how ballsy they are. That's how brazen they are. That's how confident they are that they won't be policed properly. If, uh, if law enforcement's not going to do anything about it, you're going to see open civil war between, you know, between conservatives and, and, and progressives. You're going to see more things like shootings at, at college talks. You're going to see more brawls in the street. You're going to see more violence everywhere on both sides. One of the great tragedies of this era is to watch the greatest generation spend untold blood and treasure in their time to defeat Nazism over there so that it wouldn't come here, to defeat Marxism over there in the Cold War so that it wouldn't come here. And we are now, in in my generation and the one behind me, we are now importing the various worldviews that our grandparents' generation spent their lifetimes attempting to defeat, you know, their in their natural habitat so they would never come here. Do you remember when the FBI used to go after terrorist groups? They shut down the weather underground. They smashed the Black Panther Party. They reduced the Ku Klux Klan to a shadow of its former self. 
Why aren't the authorities going after today's terrorist group? Why aren't they going after Antifa? Antifa is at war with your government. Why aren't your authorities fighting back? The president promised law and order in his convention speech last year. I'd like to see him live up to that promise. Because I think there's a lot of Americans dying to see someone just spank these brats once and for all. If Antifa violence remains unchecked, what will be the consequences? So if you look at your kids, your future, what kind of America do you want do you want your family to live in? One where where I can, where we can go to a rally as a family and I don't have to worry about taking my children. You know, when we when I went to Portland, one of the hardest things for me was my son, who's 10 years old, wanted to come with me. And um, I wanted to bring him more than anything because, you know, he wanted to go because he loves America just like me. Um, he's very patriotic. He's following in his grandfather's footsteps. Um, and he didn't understand why he couldn't go. And I had to sit him down and I had to explain to him the danger in it. And then, you know, later I showed him the videos of me wearing a helmet and everything that happened. And, uh, and I just think that it's really sad that in America, we can't go to a free speech rally without having to wear helmets and to leave our children at home. Just like the social media censorship you see so much of from the progressive left, the outright violence in the streets um, that is fueled by progressive left mantras and executed by Antifa on the streets has a chilling effect on what people feel that they're able to, to say, how they're able to express themselves, the language they feel comfortable using, and the ideas that they feel comfortable expressing. And all of that has an absolutely catastrophic impact. Your police are constitutionally bound to protect every American citizen's right to free speech. What will happen if the police are prevented from protecting Americans exercising their First Amendment rights? Every American's right to speak freely must be protected at all times by county, state, and federal law enforcement authorities. Most people, regardless of how they vote in this last election, don't want to live in an America that looks like the Berkeley campus. Your founding fathers enshrined free speech as the very first amendment to your constitution. They understood that free speech is your most important protection against tyranny. The constitution this is not the time to walk away from it. This is the time to come even closer to it. This is the time to assert it more. This is the time to use it more. Be radical in standing for the Constitution. Free speech is never free. It must be fought for by every generation. What are you going to do? And history, Trevor, shows us all throughout cultures that see these sorts of clashes in the streets, we all know what the next step is, tyranny. In a perfect world, I shouldn't have to be fighting for freedom. It should just be. Um, I would love to be able to just spend, you know, all my time with my kids. Um, but the way I look at it is, is that I wouldn't be doing anything else than this right now because our country needs it. And I want this country to be better for my kids. I want them to be able to stand, in, like I said, in the middle of San Francisco with their flag and be proud and not be afraid to do it. The United States of America is the bastion of free speech. If that liberty is lost here, it will die in every corner of the world. Please, America, do not allow that to happen. Check us out on the web at cowboylogic.us.
You're listening to Cowboy Logic Radio. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So about that uh, situation in Minneapolis, we have the tragic death of George Floyd and we have some really inexcusable, unexplainable rioting. I, 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 I can't figure out how this is in any way going to contribute to any kind of a solution to this problem. All right, folks, this is going to be a hard conversation and we all got to get ready for it because what we saw uh, in Minneapolis with the police officer and Mr. George Floyd, if you missed the story, uh, we'll run the video here in a moment. We had to take some of the sound out because some of the background noise contains a lot of expletives and we're trying to keep it family friendly, which is kind of sad because the background noise um, and the background commentary is critical to understanding what's going on. A backstory, this man, Mr. Floyd, was uh, alleged to have committed some kind of a forgery. Police show up. Uh, there's there's some video of of some mild resisting, it appears, as he's getting out of the car. I, I emphasize mild. We don't have all the video of everything, and I want to be careful there. There's also some evidence of him going to the car. And then the next thing we see is a police officer with his knee on the neck as Mr. Floyd is proned out on the ground. I'd like to play this video. Um, again, for the audio listeners, we had to cut some of the audio out. Some of you have seen the video, but the man is prone on the ground, face down, Mr. Floyd. Mr. Floyd happens to be black. The police officer happens to be white, which, of course, you know, always adds in our racially polarized society. And, of course, people looking to aggravate, not help the situation, always adds another element to this. So, as we can see in the video, there's a number of things here. And I, please, of all the days, folks, I know it's an audio show primarily, but please check out my YouTube as well, youtube.com. Slash Bongino. We can see then Mr. Floyd prone down on the ground. It's a disturbing video. I don't mean to keep showing it, but it's important for a bit of analysis here as to what went on. You'll notice in the video as we see here, and I've said on, on Fox News last night and this morning because it's important, having experience with, with grappling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's not like a, I don't really, I'm not trying to impress anybody with any of that stuff, but I've done this for 20 years. You'll notice that the man, the police officer has, again, his knee on the neck of Mr. Floyd, but and it's his left knee. As Mr. Floyd, again, is prone out, you'll notice uh, the police officer's right foot in the video, right foot is moving around. We can see it again. Thanks, Paul, for putting that up again. You can see it. You can see it it's moving. Now, why is that important? Because it indicates, as you know, if you're either a wrestler or you've been involved in any kind of ground fighting, mixed martial arts, that his right foot is light. We know his right foot is light because, again, it's moving around, which says to me that he, the police officer's weight is on the left foot and left knee, which is on the neck of Mr. Floyd on the ground. Now, folks, this went on for over six minutes. I was a police officer. I was a federal agent. I was involved in many interactions that did not go well. These aren't TJ Hooker stories to try and impress you with any bravado. It was a job. I wasn't thinking of any of that. I was just doing my job when it happened. But we were physically assaulted many times. I've told the story on the show. The guy with the ironing board, an ironing board, hits me with an ironing board, buckles us in half. We wind up wrestling on this guy's couch in a domestic violence incident. Thank God my partner was there behind me. I totally get it. Being a police officer is a stressful job, one of the most stressful jobs. But I'm sorry, there's no excuse for this. There's no excuse for this, folks. You know, there are different use of force continuums in different police departments around the world. You can do this as a police officer when the subject does that. You can do this when you can do that. Let me tell you from 
the most candid perspective as a former blue uniform wearing NYPD officer myself. Nobody is referring to the use of force continuum on paper in the middle of the street when a fight breaks out. Nobody is going, wait, did the academy tell me if subject does A, I can do B but not C? That's not happening. When you're in the street, you are referring to general rules you've learned through experience, number one. And number two, you're trying to stay alive. The problem I have with this video And thank you for the innumerable emails I've received from active and retired law enforcement officials who, after hearing my commentary on Fox last night, this morning, have backed me up on this. The problem I have with this is there is no fight going on anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, the general rule I was always taught as a young 20-year-old police officer in one of the most dangerous areas of New York, East New York, Brooklyn at the time, was when the handcuffs are on the subject and the resistance stops, Ladies and gentlemen, that fight is over. That fight is over. That fight that day at that time is over. I'm not saying it's not going to start again. I've seen people in handcuffs spit on officers. I've seen them headbutt people. I've seen them kick people. But when those handcuffs are on and that fight stops, it is over. We are professional law enforcement officers. We're not bouncers. I'm not knocking, but I'm I'm just suggesting you. We are professional law enforcement officers paid by the public with the, and, and by the way, paid and given, blessed with the greatest responsibility anyone can have, blessed with it with the proper discretion. You can change the world if you use that discretion right. You can take someone's liberty and God forbid, God forbid one day you have to take someone's life to save someone else's or your own. These are massive powers, but they require incredible discretion. Folks, I cannot give you one logical reason why a man proned out with multiple officers on the scene, proned out on the ground and handcuffed. Granted, he's big, he's in good shape. He is no longer at this, he's resisting at that point. It only appears he's moving because he's dying. That's point number one. I don't want you to forget this. When the cuffs are on and the resistance stops, throw all the use of force continuums you've learned in the academy out the window. That fight at that time is over. This man did not deserve to die like that. Second point, put everything aside for a moment. Everything has to be political these days. I'm not doing that. I'm not getting into that. I'm not, forget it. You want to do that? The leftist kooks that listen to my show, you go right at it, knock yourselves out. Oh, you know I don't care anyway. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to argue the racial politics of this because to me, it's a humanity issue. Whether the man was black, white, male, female, Asian, black, Hispanic, this was a human being. And I'm asking you for a moment, put everything aside, all of that stuff, all the subtexts and other things people would like to argue about. And I ask you from the perspective of just a humanity issue, If that was your kid, your son, your daughter, six minutes with a knee on on his or her neck saying, I can't breathe, everything hurts, how would you feel? You know, it's important here that we as commentators who have been blessed by God and by, by, many of your, uh, by many of you out there who've chosen to come here for this show. It's important we tell the truth. Some of the finest men and women I've ever met, 
some of my friends to this day, matter of fact, my best friend is a police officer I met in New York in the academy. Some of the finest people I know. Patriots, people with grace and dignity who've lived their lives according to a code. The cops, the men and women I've met, the federal agents, corrections officers, fine men and women, overwhelmingly. But when we see something wrong, it's our job to be responsible to our audience and call it out for what it is. And ladies and gentlemen, this is wrong. If that was your child, you'd be horrified. Let me make another point on this, on this video. Ladies and gentlemen, while the videotapes that are going to come out of what happened before this, any allegations of a crime, whatever Mr. Floyd did before, are valuable. They're valuable for telling the story. I'm telling you they mean nothing when it comes to that use of force after the subject is cuffed and under control. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are invaluable for telling the story. We have to know what happened here. But you can show me all the videos all day of what Mr. Floyd did before, and that doesn't change the fact that we are professional law enforcement officers and whatever happened before, when those cuffs are on and the resistance is done, that fight is over. As I said this morning on Fox, Folks, those police officers could have arrested Charles Manson. They could have arrested a serial killer who had just killed 20 or 30 people. I'm talking about the most horrible people on earth. We are professional law enforcement officers. That's how the overwhelming majority of the people I know overwhelming think about this. Even the worst person on earth, when those handcuffs are on and they stop resisting, They will see our justice system. We don't send them to their maker. That's not the way any of this works. We are a civilized society. We are the greatest constitutional republic in the history of mankind. And even the most atrocious, disgusting, filthy, grotesque human beings who've done the most unimaginable things to other people in a just society still get handcuffs on still go to jail, and still get to see justice. Let me make another point on this. Again, forgive me for bringing in my experience in ground fighting. I'm I'm really not ground fighting and mixed I'm really not doing this to be some pseudo-tough guy at all, folks. I promise you. It's not interested at all. I'm an old broken guy anyway. My arthritis, most of you in the audience probably take me out two seconds. I can barely move. I'd have to warm up first. Having said that, having done this for 20 years or more of my life and having experience in control tactics while I was in the Secret Service Training Center, I was always volunteering over there. There are two additional reasons this video is so horrifying to watch. Ladies and gentlemen, when you have an individual like Mr. Floyd on the ground, proned out, meaning on his belly, you run a very high risk of what's called positional asphyxiation, suffocating someone to death, especially with their hands behind their back. Why? Because their body pressure and weight alone is forced into the ground, which prevents the lungs and the diaphragm from fully expanding. 
Go lay down on the ground if, if you're healthy. If for a few, you'll see it's hit difficult to breathe. Now put your hands behind you so you can't move them. And you can't use your hands to brace out and create space with the floor, allowing your lungs to expand. Now add on that by having someone's body weight on top of you. Now add on that by having someone's body weight concentrated on top of you, on their left knee, on the most sensitive spot of your upper torso, your neck, where the carotid artery lies. Yes, the carotid artery that is one of the main blood vessels to the brain. I'm stunned this man lives six minutes. That's not an exaggeration. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contract. Our experienced partners are offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. You'll never pay another timeshare maintenance bill again, and all your obligations will be terminated. You can begin saving today. Even if you've tried another company to get rid of your timeshare, call and see if we can help you. At the Timeshare Exit Hotline, we only accept payment after an agreement has been made to get you out of your timeshare. Make this complimentary free call and learn how our honest partners can help anyone, anywhere, legally get out of their timeshare nightmare. 800-741-9557. 800-741-9557. That's 800-741-9557. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-470-0270 800-470-0270 That's 800-470-0270 this is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo 5.0. 